I think the second trend is that artificial intelligence and you know related technologies are making it easier than ever to offer good advice to consumers at scale. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. Today, I'm happy to have Andrew Graham from Borrowell. Andrew, welcome to the show. Great to be on. Yeah, it's good. So just to introduce our listeners, uh, Borrowell is a Canadian fintech company helping consumers with their credit decisions up in Canada. And for our listeners, Andrew, if you could start out with a brief background about yourself and how you led up to creating Borrowell for the consumers. Yeah, Borwell's about five years old now. And before I started this business, I was working in a corporate job and I'm running a line of business at a bank up here in, in Toronto and you know, really saw an opportunity around 2013, 2014 to launch Borwell. We've always been focused on helping consumers make great decisions about credit, but how we've done that has really evolved and, and, and shifted over the years. We started off as a marketplace lender, sort of like a peer-to-peer lender focused on helping consumers with good credit refinance credit card debt, but ultimately found that we, there were so many more people looking for different kinds of products and different kinds of help that we really transformed our business. And today, we were the first company in Canada to offer credit scores for free. And today, we offer a range of educational tools around credit. And then we recommend products and services that will be useful to our users. Yeah, thanks for that. And it's obviously a massive product within the industry and in bringing value to both the consumers and connecting them with the businesses, I'd assume. So just to kick it off as far as, you know, you coming to market with trying to solve that problem in the technical perspective, when you started to piece together what you wanted to bring to market, could you talk about, you know, your, your first initiatives and how you decided to, to start within that type of uh, business model? Yeah. So in, as I was thinking about launching this business and, and planning it out um, and thinking about opportunities, in like 2014, it was it was really a hugely exciting time in the um, lending space. There were sort of lending companies, both consumer focused and small business focused, launching all over the world with in lots of different varieties on that. I think technology by that point had made it much much easier to allow consumers and businesses to apply and get quick answers on loans. And certainly in this market, there was a huge opportunity, about 90 billion dollars of credit card debt, much of it held by people with, with good credit. And so looking at the success that companies like Lending Club and Prosper and others were having in the, in the US market, it seemed there was an opportunity to sort of, you know, learn from what they were doing, learn from, learn from what others, the UK market and other places were doing, and sort of adapt that to a solution that would work in Canada. And then ultimately, we could take to other markets as well. Yeah, that brings up a good point. So you started out, as you mentioned, in into the lending space, and you've sort of transitioned your product. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, and and you know the supply that you were getting, and how you decided to transition a little bit as you as the product have, went through the, its evolution? Yeah, so we started out with a loan product between a thousand and thirty five thousand dollars, really designed for consumers with good credit looking to refinance credit card debt. And what we found was that for a very specific group of users, that was a really great product and a really excellent product. The problem was there were so many people out there with different kinds of circumstances and different needs. So sometimes people had weaker credit or they didn't want a loan. They wanted a different kind of product, like more of a card product, credit card product. And when you're offering only one solution, it it can be really challenging. And the specific challenges we had were around unit economics. So it was very hard 
to make the equation between user, user acquisition costs and you know revenue or, or long-term value. It's very hard to make that work when all we had was this one product on the shelf. It was just too expensive to acquire, acquire users, or at least we were acquiring a lot of people, many of whom didn't fit. So that was, that was really, I think, a pretty crucial moment for us in the business when we stood back and looked at that. Yeah. And so when you decided to transition, I guess you could say it's a platform company now rather than you know a, a single product. How do you decide for your perspective and in, in your internal perspective, how do you decide where to prioritize the, the roadmap and bringing new products to market specifically for your platform? I think like a lot of pivots, they can look a lot smarter in hindsight than they sort of were at the time. What we did at the time was we wanted to find a better channel to market our lending products. And so we approached one of the credit bureaus here and became the first company in Canada to offer credit scores for free. Obviously, that's a big a big thing in the US and other markets. No one, no one was doing it here. And so we really pioneered that really as a way to generate interest in leads. And it worked really well. We had thousands and thousands of people sign up on our first day with, you know, really just from uh, word of mouth and PR. Mm-hmm. And so we knew we had something exciting on our hands. The problem was we didn't have really a, a, a way to provide much value to all these people coming to our site and signing up beyond our loan product, which was only really good for a, a, sub, a subset. So what we did is we, we really then said, let's get some more products in the platform. We obviously can't as a company of whatever we were, 20 or 30 people at that point, we can't build our own credit card product and savings account product and insurance product. So let's just build a marketplace where we can bring in products from other companies um, and sell them on our site and, and really try to do a good job matching consumers with the right financial products. And so that was sort of an evolution over the course of about six months. And we realized pretty quickly that we were going to be able to sort of create more value for our users and generate more revenue for ourselves through the marketplace than, than through the loan. So we continue to, to do loans today, but they're now a relatively small part of our overall um, overall revenue strategy. Yeah, that brings up a good point as well. So you're obviously now transitioned to work both sides, both consumers and the businesses to be able to connect, you know, the most value to the consumer and the right fit to the business. Could you talk a little bit about uh, the business side of things and bringing on those businesses, the different, I'd assume you work uh, more of on a revenue share type of model with them. How do you go about connecting them with the right uh, consumers and what you're offering for each of the businesses and how that differentiates between each of them? Yeah, so we have upwards of 50 financial institutions that we work with today that offer products on our platform. And I I would say those are typically pretty easy sales conversations because what you're doing is you're talking to the marketing person who's looking for additional channels to market their product, whether it's savings accounts or cards or loans or whatever whatever the product may be. And I, I think the big advantage that a platform like ours has is we have you know, a lot of users and a fair amount of data that's really relevant to that match. So if you know that someone's credit score, it isn't, it means they're not going to qualify for a product. There's no point showing them that product. And the way we do that matching is we have artificial intelligence, machine learning based set of tools that really powers that matching part of what we do. So deciding which products and services to show to our users is a really crucial decision. And that's a decision where we leverage machine learning to to help make that decision as efficient as possible. We don't we don't want to show people products or give or show advice or show insights that ultimately aren't going to be useful to them. And that's where sort of big data machine learning can be really powerful. 
Did you start out sorting that data, you know, as you transitioned or started to work through the evolution of the product? Or did you have all the data and then you had to sort it after to be able to make it work in the marketplace? Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think, you know, in, in the beginning, it was much more manual. We, we had fewer products in the platform. We were, you know, um, we had sort of like human-based rules or rules designed by our team in terms of what products to show to whom. And then after we got to sort of a critical mass of users and, and we, we had more and more products in the platform and a lot more experience, that's when we really could transition to a more sophisticated approach using machine learning. So it's it's been absolutely an evolution for us. Uh, and, and I think that's pretty natural. I don't think you need to start with fancy, uh, complex solutions on day one in any uh, in any business. You, know, you, can, you can kind of work your way into it. Yeah, most definitely. Are you currently only servicing in Canada today or do you, are you expanding into other markets? We're, we're really interested in what's happening in other markets. So maybe, uh, you know, stay tuned. Uh, we'll, we'll stay tuned on that. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and then as far as the Canadian perspective in the landscape there, you mentioned that there wasn't a product out there that, you know, brought to market free credit scores in that solution. I can only imagine, um, you know, the positivity that came about by bringing this to the consumer base. Now, how do you manage your consumer base there? Do they do they create a specific account with you and you guys have campaigns and, and uh, promotions with your consumer base? Or could you talk a little bit about that side of the marketplace? Sure. So, yeah, we, we um, consumer create accounts with us and, and become members and then can log in via web or via, via mobile app and check out their account and see what's happening with their, their credit. We update their score and their, their credit file on a regular basis and update the offers we have for them on a regular basis. You know, and then we also communicate with notifications and, and email and so forth as well on a regular basis. I mean, it, you know, we're also able to try to be as helpful as we can. If we see someone's maybe missed a payment on a credit card, we can generate a, an alert for them, that sort of thing. So there's lots of ways to be that we really try to be helpful to our, our members, even if it doesn't have any, you know, ultimately any immediate revenue impact. We really try to be try to be helpful. Yeah, of course. And just to take a deeper dive within the product itself. Obviously, you have to work with multiple partners to be able to get access to the different financial institutions, individuals or consumers history as well. How do you go about selecting those type of partners and that working those relationships as well to, to obviously bring the, the product uh, to full head? So I mean, we, we've got really good relationships with the credit bureaus here. Um, you know, Equifax was our partner in, in, in terms of launching uh, FreeScore. Those are obviously really important relationships with credit bureaus. And, and we you know, maintain, I think, very good relationships with our financial partners as well. We, we, want, we ultimately want to, want to connect them with consumers that are going to qualify for their products. It doesn't help anyone to connect a user with, um, with something and then have them not get approved. You, know, you don't want to send someone to apply for a mortgage and then get turned down. That doesn't, that's not good for anyone. So we really try to understand in a very intimate way what their approval criteria may be and how what kind of consumers are ultimately going to be successful with their products. Yeah, we, we have the same you know type of approach here at Currency Cloud with our multiple partners and, and banking partners on a global perspective. So definitely understand that and the need for having that you know, synergy with, with the partner network to be able to bring to market. Now, obviously, bringing multiple partners in, having two sides of the marketplace, I'd assume, even working with the, the consumer base, that the cost of acquisition can be high. What do you guys do to, to try to mitigate and, and bring that cost down to be able to obviously work to a positive revenue perspective on in your business? Yeah, and I think we're sort of coming back full circle in a way. I mean, because cost of acquisition, I think, has been the big challenge for many, many consumer-focused 
fintech companies, probably, you know, I'm sure it's true for even non-fintech consumer focused companies as well. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things we've seen is, so, so look, there's absolutely things you can do to bring down cost of acquisition. You know, it's important. We've tried many, many channels. We've got really great partner relationships. We now rely to a large degree on word of mouth and sort of, uh, you know, referrals as, as measured by sort of direct, direct traffic to our website. But I think, I think what we've seen in fintech that maybe, you know, relevant for other industries as well is that there's really been an evolution on the revenue side. So where companies started off by offering only one product. So say someone was going to be like a great robo advisor or a great peer to peer lender. That's where fin, that's where I think fitting started or where things were at maybe, you know, 10 years ago. But we've really seen an evolution to companies that are able to offer a wider variety of services and solutions to their users. So even if the cost of acquisition doesn't come down, they're able to create more value and ultimately generate more, more revenue to offset that. So some companies like us have created marketplaces. Other companies have built multiple, multiple products and are now offering them. There's different ways to sort of skin the cat with that. But I think that's been a really, really interesting evolution in fintech that's probably relevant to other industries. This move from being single product companies to brick to being really platform-based companies. I think that's often been the solution to the sort of the the the, the CAC LTV problem or like the unit economics problem if it costs a lot to acquire users and how do we make this work? Yeah, you totally hit it on the head there. You know, we've definitely seen that in the market as well. In the fintech space, I mean, you can even talk back to the evolution of prepaid cards and how they're turning into challenger banks, really. So just that, yeah, after you get that customer acquisition, what, what do you do with it, right? You want to partner with uh, and bring more value to, to the end consumer. So totally on the same page there. And I guess to, to close it out here, you know, where do you see, obviously, the evolution of the platform, but where do you see the space that you're in right now in fintech in Canada as well, you know, the evolution going in about you know, five years now, where do you see that, that transition getting to from your perspective? I think there's two really important trends happening in financial services right now. The first is there are a lot of consumers, about half of consumers in North America, so this is, about, this is U.S. and Canada, are facing some degree of like precariousness in their finances. So even people, there's a lot of people in North America that have very good incomes, good jobs, good incomes, but don't have a lot of savings. So if they have any sort of negative event, like losing their job or you know unexpected healthcare costs or what have you, there's really no resilience there. And they're going to be in, in a place of financial hardship and not able to pay the bills. The data on that is like really clear. And if you believe that there's going to be any sort of economic contraction in the next year or two after the, you know, the very long bull market we've had here, the very long positive economic market we've had here in North America, then I think there's going to be a lot more people really facing financial challenge. So there's a huge opportunity for companies like Borwell and many others to help consumers who are facing challenging situations and enduring all the stress that comes with financial, worrying about financial services. So that's the first trend. I think the second trend is that Artificial intelligence and you know related technologies are making it easier than ever to offer good advice to consumers at scale. So it used to be that you had to be wealthy to get great advice about your financial services. You could hire tax advisors and investment advisors and what have you. But if you were someone of like average or below average means, you really couldn't access that kind of good advice. Well, the great news is that I think technology and AI in particular has made that that challenge much more soluble. So we have a part of our product called our credit coach, which analyzes a user's credit report, offers real insight and recommendations about what, what they can do. 
That's all based on technology and AI. We can deploy that at scale and you know crunch through hundreds of thousands, millions of, of consumer accounts you know every month, every week, whatever we need to do to offer that kind of scalable advice. So two big trends that I think are really important are going to shape the industry. More and more consumers in precarious financial situation on the one hand and really great and exciting new tools driven by AI on the other hand. So there's a huge opportunity for consumer-focused companies that get technology to make a difference in the lives of millions of people in the next few years. Yeah, it's really good stuff. And it's exciting times ahead as well. You know, you, that, the second piece you mentioned there is just, I feel like it's just an endless opportunity. You know, obviously we're collecting that data and putting technology on top of that. Um, it's just, uh, you know, some, some awesome opportunities that can come around from that. So really exciting times. Well, Andrew, on today, as we close out, what's the best way to get in contact uh, with someone interested in contacting you guys at Barwell? Yeah, sure. So uh, you can just Google us, of course, Borwell, B-O-R-R-O-W-E-L-L, or Borwell.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, Andrew T. Graham, and you know, Borwell's on Twitter. So any of those uh, are great ways to contact us. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at CurrencyCloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.